I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional and life coach, helping you to make your life no less than spectacular. I'm here with Clint Arthur. Hi, Clint. Hi, Jody. How are you? I am excited to be with you here today to oh. talk about spectacular living. <laughs> Which we will find out Clint actually has done a lot of. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to tell you a little more about Clint. Clint is, Arthur is the Pulitzer Prize nominated author of Wisdom of Men. As a speaker, Clint has shared the stage with Martha Stewart, Dr. Oz, Susan Summers, Caitlyn Jenner, Ice-T, and five presidents of the United States at Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, the NASDAQ, the London Stock Exchange, the Royal Society of Medicine, Mercedes, Porsche, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, and AT&T. He lives in New York City, LA, and Acapulco with his wife, Allie, and Nova, their billion pesos puppy. I told you folks, Clint has done a lot of exciting things in his life, and we are going to hear about that. He's laughing, um, and he's in Acapulco right now, so uh, living it up, which is wonderful. So, Clint, um, I would love to hear your story because apparently you started off driving a taxi cab. Let me know about that. What, what's going on with your life? That's why I'm laughing. That's why I'm sitting here laughing because, you know, to hear the, all the things that I've done and to look back on how far I've come, you know, where were you on December 31st, 1999? Were you getting your Y2K cash out of an ATM? <laughs> were you partying with family and friends? I was behind the wheel of yellow cab number 6087. <laughs> And I was going into my fifth year of being a taxi driver. Mm. And I was driving these two guys to a party in the Hollywood Hills. And I'm listening in on their conversation as I'm driving them up. And one guy says, hey, man, did you hear about Mr. Carrera? They made him the last partner right before the IPO for Goldman. Mm. And he cashed out a gazillion dollars. And I'm like, hey, you guys talking about Chris Carrera? How do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity. And when I was the pledge master, I used to make those little punks dance around the house with their tidy whities on top of their heads. And now <laughs> that little punk just cashed out a gazillion dollars out of the Goldman Sachs IPO. And I am on 6087. I made $513 that night. Oh my word. And I transformed my pillow in my, I was living on a little boat in Marina Del Rey. That was the cheapest way to survive in Los Angeles, $282 a month, including parking. Mm. There was no electricity, no water, no toilet facilities on the boat. And I 
turned my pillow into a sponge, crying my eyes out. Where was Chris Carrera tonight? <laughs> Partying at the Rainbow Room and I'm making $500. I was supposed to be somebody special. I was supposed to be somebody special. And, I, and the special person that I became was the Wharton Business School taxi driver. I'm, oh I'm, my word. And that's, you know, for me to have transformed my life from that to what I have today, I tell you, I am so freaking grateful every single day because at that point, I swear to God, I had one line item on my resume, Yellow Cab Company, and I did not know how I was going to dig myself out of the ditch that I had dug for my life. And wow. you know, I, I only knew one thing, that if my life was going to change, I had to be the one to change. Right. And, and you know, it is all up to us. We could take the best course, the best uh, go to college and get a master's degree, but it really is up to us to push us to take risks. Now, how did you go again? What, what's that transition? What did you do to take control of your life? I started doing all kinds of personal self-help and development and transformation work. The first seminar I took was called Life Transformation. Mm. I found it in the learning, the learning annex. Remember yes, the learning annex? I, I do remember that. I went to a life transformation seminar by the learning annex, and then I started studying privately with that coach in, in his own program outside the learning annex. And then I walked on fire with Tony Robbins, and then I did something called the Men's Weekend, which is about identifying and eliminating any barriers between you and your personal power as a man. And from those three things... I did all of that in a six month period of time because I was so freaking desperate to change my life and start. I, you know, I just wanted to have a normal life at that point. I wanted to make money, get married and become fat and happy. And I did, I, you know, when I got, I, I got out of taxi driving and I started selling gourmet food. And then I, as soon as I started making money selling food, then I met a, an amazing woman who believed in me and loved me for me and believed in me more than I believed in myself. She, she suggested that we get into real estate. I said, I don't know anything about real estate, but I think I can learn. So I bought Carlton Sheets. Remember those tapes on infomercials? I bought oh, yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And the next thing I bought was, then I bought a fixer upper, then I bought a teardown, then I bought a vacant lot, then I bought two vacant lots and started building houses. And you know, throughout the 2000s, I got quite fat and happy. In fact, I peaked at 236 pounds. Which <laughs> well, you look great right now. Thank you. I've, I've lost a lot of weight since yeah. then. Uh, you know, I was obese. I didn't know I was obese. I was an alcoholic. I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I didn't know I was addicted to marijuana. You know, marijuana is not an addictive drug. Right. That's what they say. I don't believe them. I, I think marijuana is one of the most insidious addictive drugs that they are foisting on this country. And, you know, maybe it works for you. I thought it was working for me, but crazy enough, six weeks after I stopped smoking marijuana, accidentally quitting, I accidentally quit marijuana. Six weeks later, I did my first television appearance and that was 111 television appearances ago. So you you tell me if, it, if there's any connection there. I don't know, Who, what do I know? I don't know anything. <laughs> I think you know quite a lot. And um, I, I think any drug 
any any recurring thoughts are addictive because they keep us small. And I'm just curious, you know, you just burned through all of this. You found somebody, you manifested what you wanted. You got fat, you got happy, you got rich, you got a wife. Uh, I and, and all those things. And then you said, what's next? But going back, how did you limit? How did you let go of limiting thoughts? You know, when I was, I chased the Hollywood dream for 13 years. And during those 13 years, I wrote 30 screenplays and 10 books. And I even sold one of my books to Penguin USA. It was the big book of their summer for 1995. And that's, 1995 is exactly when I started driving a taxi, see? And throughout these 13 years, I really could not, I couldn't get arrested in Hollywood except for a DUI. I, I couldn't succeed. I didn't know how to succeed. And, and I had everyone telling me, you suck, you're terrible, mm. you're not good, you're not a good actor, you're not a good writer, you're too old, all these things. So there was a lot of limiting beliefs and there was a lot of insecurity about my own ability to succeed because I hadn't succeeded mm -hmm. since I got out of college. Since graduating from college was like my biggest success after, after that or before that. So there was a lot and, and what I had to do in order to eliminate my negative beliefs was I had to build a new foundation of positive beliefs. Mm -hmm. I had to build a new foundation of confidence in my own ability to succeed. And that confidence was built on small wins. Mm. Great. So there, you built your own track record, essentially, right? You, I mean, uh, every day or you showed yourself that you could get what you wanted and succeed. There's a quote in my book, Wisdom of the Men, and one of the reviewers titled their review with this quote, everybody wants to hit home runs, nobody wants to do the work. Mm. I said that in the book. And I tell you, if you are not making seven figures a year and you're looking to hit a home run, you're kidding yourself, hmm. okay? Yeah. Until you're making a good six figures, like multiple six figures, until you're making four or $500,000 a year, you know what you gotta do? You gotta hit singles and you gotta just keep hitting single after single after single after single. That's what it was like in the gourmet food business. I never hit a home run in, this, in the gourmet food business. Not one, not one home run did I ever hit in the gourmet food business. And even, even as a celebrity entrepreneur, which is what I do now, helping authors, speakers, coaches, experts, advisors, consultants to position themselves as celebrities in the eyes of their customers and prospects, I'm not hitting home runs. I'm hitting singles and doubles. And I continue to hit a lot of singles and doubles. And that's how it works. I was watching a video the other day, I think it was on Instagram, and it was this, you know, I think it was Stephen Curry. He's a basketball player yeah. for the 
for the Warriors. Warriors, California. And all he did, he was just shooting free throws, right? And the first free throw was from the free throw line. Then he backed up to the top of the key, to the round part. Then he backed up halfway to the three-point line. Then he backed up to the three-point line. He kept shooting baskets, one after another after another, until he was all the way at half court, and he sunk one from half court, and then he worked his way back. He didn't miss one single shot. Mm. See? Now, none of those shots... None of those shots is a whole game. You can't win a whole game in one shot. You gotta, you gotta just keep shooting and keep scoring two points, three points. You, you just single, 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 occasionally a double. You gotta stop hitting, the home, hitting for home runs, swinging for home runs, and just build a track record of confidence built on yeah. success hitting singles. Yeah. Now you mentioned hard work um, and you mentioned in the gourmet food industry, it was just not working for you. How do you know that you're, that you're wasting your time on one thing? And when do you know to jump to the next thing that may be the, the right thing for you? That's exactly what they wanted me to talk about on the Today Show. When Brooke Shields and Willie Geist interviewed me, the topic was the push and pull of life. And I didn't really understand what they wanted from me when I was on that show, but looking back on it, what they really should have gotten out of me was the answer to that question that you just asked right there. Because why did I quit pursuing the Hollywood dream after 13 years? Well, when I was early on, early on, I would say when I was, 29 years old, uh, I met a woman on a bus and she was wearing a really cool coat. I said, wow, that's a cool coat. We were at the Sundance Film Festival. It was a heavy wool coat. She goes, thank you. I make these coats out of antique blankets. Mm. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to this movie. She said, oh, I'm going to that movie too. I guess we're going together. So we went to that movie and we went to another movie. And then when we got back to Los Angeles, we went out on a date. And we went to a bar in West Hollywood called Dan Tana's on, little, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And we walk in the door and she goes, oh wow, there's George Clooney, let's go say hello. We go over to George Clooney. She goes, hey George, how you doing? And he goes, oh, Sarah, I am so effing wasted right now. And he didn't say effing, he said the actual word. I just used <laughs> euphemism for Thank it. You. I know what Thank it means. You, I know what yeah. it means, but I didn't say the word, right? And she goes, well, congratulations, George. ER, so fantastic. ER was the hot show. Uh -huh. He was the hot yeah. hunk on TV. Yep. He had just exploded. He was covered in tattoos because he was starring in a movie for Quentin Tarantino called From Dusk Till Dawn, a vampire movie. And he introduced us to the six foot tall drink of water that he was with, some supermodel. And mm. Sarah introduces me, I shake hands, and we go to our dinner table. And I say, how do you know George Clooney? She goes, well, I used to be his agent for 10 years. Oh, and I used word. to date him oh, my and his word. best friend at oh, the my. same time. <laughs> and silly me, I got engaged to his best friend. Oh my word. And during those 10 years, I always knew that he was gonna be George Clooney. And he always knew that he was going to be George Clooney, but the people who didn't know he was going to be George Clooney was Hollywood. Hollywood didn't know that he was going to be George Clooney. And if you look at his IMDb resume, all the shows and movies that he's done, you'll see before ER, he did so many things. 
And they all got canceled or he got fired off of them all. And she said, you see, it took him 10 years to make it because it takes 10 years to make it in Hollywood. Mm. That's what it takes to become an overnight success. So as I'm going through, you know, I'm getting eight years, nine years. I get to 10 years and I'm like, well, I'm due any day. And 10 years came and gone. And then I'm like, well, 11 years, I, I got to hit it soon. It's 11 years. 11 years came and went. And then 12 years came and went. And I got to 13 years and I said, you know, I cannot keep throwing my life away chasing this dream that's never going to happen. So how do you know when to quit? How do you know when enough is enough? You got to give it enough time to where you feel like you gave it everything you, you could give it. Yep. And it just didn't work. And you know, Hollywood is the most, the most weirdly competitive thing there is, but all of life is weirdly competitive sure. in its own way. And, you know, you have to feel like you're not going to have any regrets because at the end of the day, it's your life and you're the one who has to live your own spectacular life. And you have to feel like you gave it a spectacular enough shot to have the dream that you want to have. And that's, that's how I can describe it. How's that? I like that. I like the spectacular references as well. Um, and I, I get that, you know, you'll know, you'll know again about regrets. Regrets are things that eat away at you slowly, but surely. And if you haven't just thrown everything you have into it, then you're going to live with those regrets. You know, and it sounds like you gave it more than enough time with the 13 years. So I bravo for just, you know, and you, you had a, somebody said 10 years. All right. You had that. You went beyond that. You were working hard. Um, so that was great. Um, thank you for that story. Now you are doing personal branding with celebrities. Let's bring it down to the normal level for non-celebrity business owners or people who want to create themselves as a brand may not be as a celebrity. What would you recommend that they do how what's the first steps third steps any any advice well look i work with regular people all the time that's that's okay. what i do what i i call this celebrity entrepreneurship because i'm not famous and my clients are not famous we are what i call celebrity entrepreneurs like for example do you know who tony robbins is of course Great. I'm yeah. glad you said oh, Mr. Cool. Coach. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, walk, you, walk of the fire walker himself. Yeah. You say, of course. Okay. Yeah. But that's because he is a celebrity entrepreneur. Hey, what do you think of Tony Robbins? No okay. Way. He's, uh, listen. Oh, goodness. So, Clint, I, I can show you video after video yeah. after video yeah. where I say, what do you think of Tony Robbins? And they say, Tony who? Because they're not his customers or prospects. But you and I, anybody who's into self-help, personal yeah. development work, going to seminars, getting to be a better person, we all think, oh, wow, Tony Robbins super famous. This is the goal of celebrity entrepreneurship. You need to be everywhere that they, that they are looking. And how do you get there? By putting yourself there, by putting your marketing in front of these people. And that's what you need to do as an author, speaker, coach, 
expert, advisor, consultant, any kind of entrepreneur, business owner, anybody with skin in the game, you need to be more visible. Then you need to go to the next level, okay? And what I have realized is that until I know your story, I don't know who you are. I don't know you. I may know your name, maybe. Maybe I may know your name. But if I know your story, I know you. And I've done a lot of events where you know, usually when I do an event and I have people speak at my events, these are clients who speak at the event, usually I work with them on their story and I know who they are when I call their name to go up. And if there's one or two that slip through somehow without me hearing their story first, I'm like, who's this person? Like, is there a mistake here? This is how I learned about this. So if you are anybody with skin in the game, your number one job is to, number one, figure out your stories. You got to know what your stories are. I've been telling stories all interview. And a lot of these stories are stories that people who know me, who are my clients and prospects, they've heard these stories a million times. And they could tell you these stories. They could tell you the George Clooney story. They could tell you the New Year's Eve taxi story. They could tell you all my stories and that's what you want your clients and prospects to do too. If they don't know your story, they don't know you, which means you are just a number on a list right. of vendors. And that's no way to stand out or to get paid premium pricing for your equivalent products. Right, and I appreciate that. Um, Clint showed me a clip on his, um, his phone and it was asking two guys, do you know Tony Robbins? And they had no idea. Getting back to stories, Clint, um, would this be crafted in more of a hero's journey? Like, again, yours is kind of that way, going back to this is where it was in 1999. And here I am now working with people, you know, multiple homes, lived all over, been on 163 programs. Plus, that was back when we, um, you know, on TV shows. What would you say are the outline of a story that people will remember? Here's how you could do it. It's not easy to do this, but this is what you got to do. You got to tell the story you don't want to tell. Hmm. Believe it or not, I never ever used to tell the story of being a taxi driver, certainly not New Year's Eve of the Millennium. I was embarrassed that I was a taxi driver on New Year's Eve of the Millennium. That story was a secret for, uh, I, my, my taxi driving started in 95. I never spoke about it until 2011. So that's 16 years, I think. Yeah, 16 years of secrecy because I was embarrassed. and. Once I started telling that story, that's when my income took a major jump. Why? Because people started knowing who I was. Why? Because they started remembering my story. Because they knew my story, they knew me. And until you let people know who you are, you'll be wondering, how come nobody knows who I am? <laughs> how come I'm the best kept secret? The answer is, because you're not letting anybody know who you are. I, I get that. And, and when you become vulnerable, like you did in 2011, it sounds like more people were able to connect with you on a personal basis. And because we all have struggles, they remember that struggle. Well, every superhero has a fatal flaw. Superman has kryptonite. 
you need to have your kryptonite. <laughs> and the people need to know that you are vulnerable to kryptonite because nobody likes perfect. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes perfect. I mean, you think about Kanye West. Kanye West, he is a very sympathetic character. He really is. You know why? Because he's had some challenges with his psychological health. That's lovely. I mean, people respect that, that he can be honest about that, that he could, that he's a human being, you know? I would imagine, I mean, if you look at the Kardashian clan, <laughs> the men who interact with that clan all seem to come out with psychological issues. Scars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just say scars. Yeah. Yeah. And he's one of them. So you need to be that too. You need to figure out what's your story that reveals that you're a human being, that you have scars, that you have wounds, and that you're not perfect. Right. That's great. Um, I like that. And it, it makes you real. And that's what people are looking at, to authentically connect with a real person. Now, um, I'm also going to ask about um, some of the ways that you had organically generated leads. And if there's a strategy behind that, that our listeners could find useful. Organically generating leads. Well, you know, I'm... One time I got out of an Uber at the airport at LAX, and when I got out of the Uber, some lady shouts, hey, you're that guy, that celebrity guy. And I go, yes, I am. (laughs) Claim it. Claim it every time. I said, "Um, I'm going to catch a flight here on Southwest Airlines. What about you? Yeah, me too. Okay, so we walked through security together, and we walked through the airport together. And 15 minutes after we walked through security, she signed a $15,000 contract to do stuff with me. Wow. So that's how I get organic leads. Wherever I go, I talk about what I do. People, you know, I, I put myself out there. I've spoken on a lot of stages. You heard a, a list of some of the stages that I've spoken on. It's way, way longer. It's, you know, I got a whole armload mm. of stages and webinars and I had a radio show for three years. I, I've spent a lot of time and money putting myself out there mm-hmm. to become somebody. And this generates what I call celebrity magnetic attraction, where people are magnetically attracted to me. They find me on social media. They find me on the internet. They get referred to me. And uh, that's because I have created this quote unquote celebrity entrepreneur personal brand. And that is the way I have built myself into somebody who people are excited to pay a lot of money to, because that's the only way they're going to pay you is if they're excited to pay you. And, and that's, that's how I do it. How's that? That, uh, that is great. And, um, it's nice that you knowing yourself so well, talking on software, you know, radio shows, everything, you know, exactly the elevator speech and how to really pull people in and how to attract people to you. Um, Besides, you know, radio and and webinar and TVs and everything, what would you, uh, what would you recommend beyond, in addition to the story, 
um, people working on? What, what really is the biggest bang for the buck that you have seen? My favorite thing, the thing that gives the most impact, that is the easiest, you know, because a lot of people at this point would say, well, you need to work on your public speaking. Okay, yes, but that's hard. The easiest thing you can do that gives you the most bang for the buck is to get photographs with major celebrities mm. and ask them a question if possible. Like when I met Sir Mick Jagger, I said, Sir Mick, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, you can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes <laughs> you might find you get what you need. And I know it's just a line from a song, but okay. it's his song, first of all, and he's Mick Jagger, he can say whatever he wants. And he's right, you know, I, you know, I know you didn't come here wanting to hear me say you should try to meet celebrities and get pictures with them and then use those pictures in your marketing. I know you didn't come here wanting to hear that. And I know a lot of people are thinking, get pictures with celebrities. I don't need all that. I, I, you know, I don't care about celebrities. I, I'm not even interested in celebrities. My ego doesn't need pictures with celebrities. I know people are thinking that. But if you want to stand out in a crowded marketplace and everything is crowded today, sure. then you need help. And how are you going to get help? A lot of, you know, think about the computer consultant. He becomes Microsoft certified. That's the same exact thing. I mean, he pays a lot of money, studies, registers, takes a test in order to attach himself to that brand, Microsoft. I say it's a whole lot easier to meet Mike Tyson and say, champ, what's the most important thing you ever <laughs> learned? And he said, stay humble. <laughs> That's exactly what he said and how nice. he said it. And the picture of me and Mike Tyson or me and the Rolling Stones or me and Snoop Dogg, I said, Snoop, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, life's too short to smoke cheap weed. And I told you <laughs> I quit smoking weed accidentally. So I don't smoke weed at all. But philosophically, that's 100% correct. And maybe you got to pay money to meet a celebrity. I know mm. I have. I paid $25,000 to meet the Rolling Stones, mm. be a VIP at their concert, and to get photographs and meet the band. And that was a lot of money for me. But sure. uh, it was worth it. I mean, <laughs> I love I, it's a very out of the box idea is to uh, stalk your favorite celebrity or a celebrity hangout and try to try to catch them in a picture. I, I like it. I didn't say anything about stalking. Not okay. stalking. I, I All right. I, I interpreted that. And, and then, you know, look, I've been doing this for a long time. And at first, you know, when you only have, say, five pictures with celebrities, that's one thing. But now... I have a whole book, you know, Wisdom of the Men is 330 pages. It's nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. The entire book is stories about how I met the celebrity, what I learned from them or in the process of meeting them. The whole entire book. And, you know, one of those celebrities is John Travolta. Now, what happens is when you start positioning yourself as a celebrity in the eyes of customers and prospects by doing these celebrity things like meeting the celebrities, going on TV, being a speaker, knowing your stories, writing best-selling books, winning awards, all these things. What happens is you start doing more celebrity stuff. Mm -hmm. For example, my wife and I started vacationing at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel 
every summer for four summers. And the first year or the second year that we did that, John Travolta shows up at the hotel. He's there on his own vacation. The more celebrity stuff you do, believe it or not, the more celebrity stuff you become. Mm. The more celebrity you become. Mm. And you start meeting real celebrities in your everyday life. And when I asked John Travolta, what's the most important thing he ever learned? He said, fly high. <laughs> I know he likes to fly planes. Yes. You know, he flies his own right. jets. I don't, I don't want to fly. I, I specifically don't want to fly a plane and be, I'm going to leave it to the professionals. There okay? we go. So I don't want to die in a plane crash, but I do yeah. believe that flying high is a great philosophy yeah. for living. I agree as well. Especially if you're going to have a spectacular life. Might as well go higher and go more elevated. So just switching to Wisdom of, of the Men, which is your book. It's out. Um, and it is about, um, you know, these celebrity interviews. Did you write the book? Be yeah, Well, why don't you tell me, why did you write this book? Okay. When I was a little kid, I went to a specialized math science high school called Stuyvesant High School. And you have to take an entrance exam to get in. And I wasn't an outstanding student. I was not a spectacular student in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. I was just an average student. And my dad one day said, come with me. And we got in the elevator and went down to the basement of our apartment building got in the car, it was a 1972 Chrysler Newport, one of the biggest cars ever made by Detroit. He drives us up the FDR Drive to Harlem and gets off at 125th Street and starts driving through the streets of Harlem. And I'm like, and we pulled <laughs> up in front of a high school and there's a thousand giant black guys playing basketball in the high school. And he says, you see that school right there? I said, yeah. He said, if you don't get accepted to go to Stuyvesant High School, I'm going to have them bus you to this school. And you're going to be the only little white kid in that school, and they're going to kick your ass every mm. single day. Do you understand? I said, <laughs> uh, yes. And suddenly I got really motivated to study, and I became a great student at Stuyvesant, and I qualified to take an elective in my junior year. And the elective I selected was creative writing. Ooh. And the course was with a teacher named Frank McCourt. Mm. Frank McCourt won yes. the Pulitzer Angela's Prize. Ashes. Angela's yeah. Ashes. His yes. memoir about his impoverished childhood in Ireland. And right. he inspired all of us to want to be great, great writers. Now, I, here I am. I go through my life. You know, I, I actually quit writing two times in my life. And the, the second time was after New Year's Eve of the Millennium when I said, I just can't keep doing this anymore. I can't keep writing. It's, it's, you know, I'm a taxi driver because I'm a writer and that's not the life I wanted. And then I became uh, involved with the men's self-help movement. I told you I went to the mm -hmm. men's weekend. And we go through to 2008 when the world was collapsing in the fall of 2008. I'm on a men's self-help campfire. The shaman points at me across the yellow and orange crackling flames and goes, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. What are you talking about, man? I'm the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was driving a cab. Now I'm a millionaire. I was living on a little boat. Now I'm living in a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. 
you're already dead, you just don't know it. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I really didn't. I would wake up out of a sound sleep. I'm already dead. What does he mean? And it came to be New Year's Day of the millennium. Uh, I'm sorry, New Year's Day of 2009. Why New Year's Day? Why does this keep happening? New Year's is a peak state moment. When you look at your life, when you're like in a, you're just charged up because it's the new year. New Year's Day, 2009, I sat down to write my list of goals for the year as I became accustomed to doing once I became successful as a businessman instead of trying to be a writer. And I asked myself a question inspired by the shaman. I said, I don't understand what that really means that I'm already dead, but what if I was going to die at the end of this year? What if I had only one year left? What if this was going to be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish? That was the question that changed my whole life. And the first thing I wrote down on that list when when I was doing it was I have to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School, which helped me to become successful once I started trying to have a real life again. And that's what broke me out of eight years of not writing, of quitting writing the second time. And then I started writing books, and I've written a lot of books since then, I've, a lot of books. And I was looking at Frank McCourt and Angela's Ashes, which I've read and listened to multiple times, and I was like, you know, I've, I have never written anything like that. I need to try to write something amazing. And part of what I did with the, with the men's team was when I, when I became the leader of the men's team, I gave a name to a section of the meeting. Every meeting, the leader would always say, you know, is there any man who needs help from the team? You know, you got a problem you want the team to help you with. When I became the leader, I said, is there any man who needs the wisdom of the men? Mm. And that became my favorite part of the meetings mm. because it felt like we were always connecting with timeless wisdom that would go through generations, like cellular memory type of wisdom. And I wanted to write a book that would be more than just what I knew. I was hoping it could be something that could tap into that generational wisdom of men. Mm. And I came up with this idea in like 2014 to write that book. And it took me until 2021 to finally write that book. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's, some, there's some things you know. That's my yeah. dog. All right. Hold the up. dog Quiet. is piping in. You know, See, it looks. Getting excited because I got to oh. the point. There's some things that you know. Okay, And I knew that Wisdom of the Men was going to be my big book and that that was the book that I had to write. That's great. And um, it looks intriguing. Um, I'm going to let you know the whole title of that Wisdom of the Men, how I went from taxi driver to working with global superstars and five U.S. presidents revealing all of my secrets so you can do it. Too. I love that title. Now, Clint, um, how can people contact you uh, and uh, how can people get a hold of the book? The book is on Amazon. You have to type in the whole, you have to type in Wisdom of the Men, Clint Arthur. Otherwise, you won't find it. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. But if you want to find me, you go to Clint.com, C L I N T T T with three T's, Clint with three T's.com because. 
One of my clients is a named scientist, and she said to me, you know, Clint, I wish you would add another T to the end of your name because the <laughs> T's always end up on top. And I couldn't get Clint with two T's.com, so I got Clint with three T's.com, and it seems to be a great way to contact me. I like that. Again, out of the box. I like I like these different shiftings, different ways to brand yourself. Well, Clint, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be on here. I love the stories. I love the inspiration. And um, I'll look forward to what's next in Clint Arthur's life. Thank you very much, Jody. It was a pleasure. Great. Take care then. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com dot com.